Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sanderlanch podcast, returning from our break with a couple of uh, people feeling a little bit under the weather, but they're here for you because they love you so much or something. I don't know. This week, we are covering Mistborn, the Hero of Ages, chapters 29, 30, and 31, wherein Sazed and Breeze make it to Urto. Ellen and Vin head to a party, and then the Urto crew hooks up with Spook and finds a new base of operations. I am Data, and with me is... Joe! Jack! And Jamie. So grab onto something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. As the tiles of steel and stone crumble to dust The foundations of our hope begin to rust Sound as a reaper comes to ground, you turn to face it down because you must. And when the world is starts to burn, at the point of no return, keep a hold of the conviction, tear at the affliction, and for the world turns black, stand up and take it back. So, yeah, I don't know that this is one of the more we, we, we've been talking the last couple episodes about how, like this is like set up stuff. I don't know if this is one of the more eventful chapters or set of chapters, but there's definitely some cool stuff that happens here. What did you guys think of these three chapters this week? You know, Sazed and Breeze, they head into Erto. Some spook stuff happens. They get the they, they set up shop in the cash, which like strategically sounds like a good idea but i feel like it's gonna go bad somehow but you know they got the water they got the supplies ellen and vin go into a ball vin mean girls some some people that was pretty cool and then you know spook and says talk a little bit it's okay not much going on here but we get some good character development so uh yeah all, overall it was good she totally did mean girls that girl didn't she's kind of not I, I didn't really think about it in those terms yeah, the, these these were good. Yeah, view uh, listeners, just a heads up. Both Jamie and I are feeling pretty crook this week, so probably a little bit less banter on our ends because we have to keep muting for when we cough. We don't have COVID, so we're okay. It's just the, the weather dropped about 10 degrees Celsius last weekend, and it's, and it's really knocked us around a bit. As far as these chapters go, I really liked them. I think it's still a lot of setup, but we, de- uh, um, especially with the party scene, we're definitely getting close to shit hitting the fan. Say's meeting with Quellian, definitely sets up more stuff that I think, all right, that's going to come to a head sooner rather than later. And there was there was a nice little moment in there where Ham and Vin, like, have a little talk about, you know, you remember when we met sort of thing? So I thought that was kind of sweet. And, yeah, I wasn't actually expecting Spook to show up with his friends so soon. So that was different. Yeah, let's just see where this goes. Yeah, I think that's one thing that you guys had theorized a lot about was like somehow Spook was going to either purposefully avoid his friends or whenever they showed up, they weren't going to be getting together right away. So I didn't know if it threw anybody yeah. when it's like the moment they get in town, Spook's like, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, it's just one, another one of those things where we predict something and then like the very next chapter, it gets proven or disproven. I'm like, oh, OK, I expected a bit more time there. And then instead, Samson's just like, JK, lol. <laughs> JK, lol? No. Uh-huh. What do the kids say these days? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that, that. That's what kids are saying, right? Really, <laughs> really we're Letters? not the kids anymore. No, we are not the kids anymore. Not. 
I yeah, I like these chapters. It was good to get back into them after a little bit of a break. I'm trying to remember where we left off. So I enjoyed Vin's new makeover scene and Ellen being just shocked at how they could make that out of a cooking girl's outfit, which he clearly just had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I was surprised. <laughs> I was surprised that we ended up with um, Spook meeting up with Sage and Breezed and, and others so quickly. But I found myself really frustrated that Spook, he's like, I want to talk to Sazed about obviously what's going on, but we're still going to avoid actually talking about it. It's like if I had been stabbed in the shoulder and somehow was granted mysterious powers, I probably would tell someone like that I was close to straight away. So I'm like, man, just say it. Just say it. Just tell him. He'll believe you. And this is going to be that that thing that they don't actually ever talk about and it's going to unlock all the secrets and uh, classic Sazed. Not Sazed. What's his name? Spook. The other one. Spook. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other one. <laughs> the other one. Well, at least so, this time uh, he's, yeah. not, he's not saying anything because because he doesn't want to as opposed to not saying anything because he actually couldn't because of his slang. True. Yeah. But also, I mean, if we're, if we're sort of theorizing that, that Ruin is the voice of Kelsia, there's probably an element of control in there already that Spook just doesn't really know about. So... Um. You know, yeah. it's like Ruin's not going to want to come out and go, yeah, oh, yeah, by the way, I've got these these powers now. Like, why why reveal that to these people who don't know the process for hemology? So, yeah, I was, I was a little bit annoyed with that part of it, but mostly just it's just as a reader knowing what we know, going, come on, just say the words. <laughs> um, but I enjoyed the rest of it. I enjoyed um, Vin's interaction with the girls at the ball, and I was sort of hoping that this um, – uh, I can't remember her name, the, the the crew leader, I feel, um, at the ball. I was sort of hoping that she would, you know, turn out to be like Lady Cliss or something that we'd met before, set up and still going about their noble ways. But that's right. We'll see. See how we go. Yeah, I guess she doesn't. She didn't show up again after her little scene yet, so we don't. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, it's, it's not her, that, unless Vin's forgotten what she looks like. But, um, <laughs> you know, it'd be interesting to see if we see a few of those faces turn up Again, you know, they fled Lutherdale at the end right. of book one and found themselves back into a noble society and, and falling into way, the way things go. But, you know, for Vin to have such a an impact on a few people so quickly in there, it would be interesting to see how quickly that turns around as well. That's true. It was much more effective than she anticipated. Mm. She's all important now. She's an empress. So people listen. She's the, she, she's the chandelier all of this party or something. I don't know. But you, you yeah, got me thinking about. I feel about... like if someone was like you know, top dog, then that's that's what's just happened. Like yeah. you can't get much higher than the the empress. So <laughs> it's true. Especially, I guess if uh, if what's his name, the uh, the obligator, if he's not married or uh, something, so that he has you know like a woman of stature in this society to be like the queen, basically, then there's no one to challenge Vin. Yeoman, yeah, right. what's his name? Sorry, it took me a minute. <laughs> but you you got me thinking about. If Spook, if this was back in book one and Spook was trying to suddenly got magical powers and he's trying to tell everybody, he's like, Hazing, Hazing with of the pewter. And they're all like, yeah, okay, kid, whatever. Yes, pewter. That's a metal we use. <laughs> okay. Good You're so me. smart, you. Good <laughs> job, Spook. No, you don't like, burn pewter, you burn tin. <laughs> they're talking to clubs and it's like, please tell us he hasn't just figured out what pewter does. And clubs is like, I don't know what to tell you, man. He had a rough upbringing. Silly spook, you burn tin. 
Don't blame me. Blame my upbringing. Please stop sinning while I'm singing. Uh, Please stop slanging while while they're singing spooky. Yeah. Hot with the Futurama references. Although, speaking speaking of singing, somebody, I don't even remember who at this point, and I don't have the Discord up because I didn't want it making noises while we're recording. Somebody has put out a Mistborn rap, and it got commented on by several people in the Discord. Like, oh, Joe's got to step up his game now. There's competition. Uh. All oh I my God! Is, all I got is wuzzing to the whistle. It's the, it's your voice from <laughs> Dizzle. I'm sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Actually, hold on, hold on. I can I can tell you what I got so far. Uh, hold on, I got Uh-oh. it. I got it somewhere. Oh, you have it? Uh, well, it's not finished, but I got I got some. Let's see. <laughs> Uh, wasn't to the whistle. It's your boy Spook Dizzle cracking jokes at your expense while you sleep till the day of next. Lessa Borns is my name, but Spook calling me the same. I spit rhymes like fire. My slang fills ladies with desire. My senses dialed up to ten, seeing with the ladies in their dens, dealing the oh, hearts no. of Mistborns, out shouting with the Lestaborns. <laughs> tin enhancing every touch, every sense feels like a rush. Speaking common when I like, wasing with my speech an airstrike. <laughs> So if you don't understand, you're just not quite a man, because I hail from the streets, wasn't with the Luthadel beat. So before you push me, better think, because I smell poison in your drink. That's all I have so far. Oh, oh my God. I don't, I'm trying to bring it home, but I don't know. I don't know what else to, to write. There you go, people. You've got an update on. There spook you go. Rap. Update on the spook rap. I mean, yeah, you, you just know need a beat and a few more lyrics. Well, it's it's I'm I'm pretty good at coming up with like rhymes and stuff and poetry, but it's hard when half of it you're trying to rhyme into a, a slang speech and have it also make sense in the mm. slang speech. Like that's yep. the part where it breaks my brain. I'm like, wasn't with the time day of like t- sleeping till the day of next is easy, right? Because we're always saying wasn't to the time of next. Yep. But when I say out shouting with the Lestaborns, I'm like, does that even make sense? I feel like it, it makes sense, but does it? <laughs> it's so, you know, it just doesn't. It's different. I get it. It doesn't have to make sense. Probably, we we Mistborn need not make sense. Yeah, according to Vin. He's like, wait, I Mistborn. Okay, back to the thing that we're supposed to be doing. I guess uh, let's get into these three chapters. The first epigraph is uh, we're, we're, we're still talking like we were previously about how the, the final empire didn't make any progress like scientifically or socially uh, during the Lord Ruler's thousand years of rule. And this part brings up it's like actually he kind of it didn't just forbid it. He suppressed technological advancement completely. He built his perfect empire and he wanted to keep it exactly that same way. Pocket watches that were made in the 10th century of the Empire were nearly identical to those made during the first. Everything stayed the same until it all collapsed, of course. Yeah, that does that does tend to change some things. Yeah, which I think that is definitely something we've discussed in the past. Yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 so, I'm sort of hazy on the conversations we have and haven't had at this point. But no, I think we've definitely talked about well, why did technology get no better? So glad we finally resolved that. I remember bringing up gunpowder at one point, so... Yeah, I think that was that may have been the last episode where there was one of the epigraphs was talking about how like guns had been developed and the Lord Ruler kind of walked those back and it was like, no, no, we're not having this. But yeah, so yeah, we and we also talked about like telescopes and something. It's like, well, shouldn't they have had those by now? They got other stuff. Lord Ruler doesn't like science. Maybe there's like no scientists hanging around in the Final Empire. It's not allowed. 
he's just the perennial old man. He's like, I don't understand this newfangled thing, so uh, we don't need it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What, what is an internet? You wouldn't want someone coming in and discovering that you'd moved stuff, though. Like you can you you look at what we know about the world and you know theories of how the world came into being and all that sort of stuff. Like you wouldn't want a scientist to sit there and go, "Dude, why did the planet move?" <laughs> and start questioning everything. That just wouldn't you wouldn't want someone coming in to undo all of that or go like, you know, this this species of plant just shouldn't exist or did you know that plants used to be green? Like, because that would just undo <laughs> everything he'd he had done to try and protect the world. So, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense from from some viewpoints that you would want to suppress all your science and everything because it's just another way that things could be undone. Yeah, really, there's probably no way that I mean, anything that they found out, like you're saying, like almost anything that science discovers is going to be undoing or calling out the lore ruler in some way about his bs that he's kept up for a thousand years so he's like let's just not do any of that it makes sense all right so we get in with uh sazed and the crew are riding into urto and says notes that like yeah they're not allowed to have city walls like cities were just not allowed to have walls except for luthadel which makes sense lore ruler doesn't want any place they can hold out against him Maybe I'm misremembering things. Didn't Fadrex City have walls with Vin and Elendar? Fadrex City has, has natural, natural rock formations. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. And then I think they so built it, some like uh, some barricade type things also. <clears throat> right, right. Yeah. That's why it was apparently so so easy to control for set. Mm. Yeah. God knows it wasn't his natural talent. <laughs> no, apparently yeah. not. Yeah, he's. I feel. I feel like said he wants to be a king, but I feel like he sh- he should just be like a warlord guy. It's it's not really like gonna work out for him. Yeah, although we find out in the next chapter that he's like next in line after Vin and Ellen to be in charge of this army. Yeah, we don't want to see that happen. God no. We'll, we'll we'll get there when we get there though. So they're rolling in, and uh, once again. Says is like, you know, these guys like did rebel just like Kelsier wanted. It's a shame that like they lump Ellen Venture in with everybody else that they hate, which makes sense because he's a noble, you know. Now they're all riding in the carriage for the sake of image. Says is riding in the carriage. And Gordell's like, yeah, I'm kind of nervous about this. This place is supposed to be kind of cutthroat. And what if they try to take you captive or something? And Breeze is like, hey, that's the point of sending ambassadors. We are, we're allowed to get captured. We're expendable where Ellen can never be. Because he's the king. And uh, Gordell's response is my favorite part, where he's like, I don't feel expendable. Yeah, yeah. I love Gordell. Which, I'm glad he's back. It's, yeah. It doesn't seem like super sound reasoning on Breeze's part, because if that were so, then why, even though he's a Mistborn, why would they let Ellen go and, like, go into these giant battles? Mm-hmm. Like, that that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. They're going to capture the king who's a Mistborn? I, I very much doubt that. It would be tough. You'd have to get a really good trap in place, probably. Yeah. And Ariane immediately is like, why do they build their roads in ditches? This place is dumb. Which, uh... Yes, her expertise in city planning is very welcome. (laughs) 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 Yeah, we didn't know that. uh, I I really wish, like, you know, Sazed got really snarky. It's like, oh, I didn't know you were an architect. Apparently Sazed and Breeze, and we talked about this before, they've grown kind of close recently, and there's actually... In the annotations, he uh, he mentions he's – he's got a big, long section, which I won't read. But it's basically like 
what we've already gathered that Breeze, you know, at the end of the last book was in a bad way and Sazed was mourning his loss and stuff. And it helped Sazed to have somebody to focus on. So we spent a lot of that time after the last book, like nursing Breeze back to health and helping him get better. So they have like a real connection now. So Sazed might not be the first person in line to put Aurian down. It also mentions that it says Ariane was there, of course, helping with Breeze, but she's not particularly good at the whole helping someone recover from intense trauma thing. Wow, really? No shit. <laughs> yeah, everyone is shocked. So that wouldn't work out so well. But Breeze is like, no, no, it's, they used to be canals, and they're now they're empty, an earthquake or something. And we find out what that something is actually uh, coming up pretty quick here. But uh, at this point, they're like, yeah, we, we still don't know why all of a sudden every, all the canals are empty. But they're met by somebody who's like, hey, the king wants to see you right away. And they're like, oh, sweet. Let's go. And then we cut to the uh, interview with Quellian, the citizen. And he's the first line is, you aren't wanted here. Which you got to give it to this guy. As much as he like he has nasty secrets and everything going around, he uh, he, he cuts straight to the bone. He, he hasn't had time for bullshitting. You're not wrong. He's just like, nope, get out. We don't want you around. The only reason I'm even talking to you is because they sent a terrorist and everyone respects terrorist Yeah, you have to wonder if uh, if Says wasn't there, which is Breeze and Orion, would they have gone with the talk at all or instead just like, oh, you're here, straight to a burning building? Yeah. yeah. Well, they know Breeze is a part of the... I feel like they're pretty well informed on who was a part of Kelsier's original crew. So they may yeah. have respected Breeze as well just because he was a part of the crew. Maybe. Quellian called them all liars, though. Yeah, he did. Sell like sellouts because they teamed up with Elland, betraying yeah. Kelsey's vision or some shit. This guy's reports are really good, though. Like he's like, my reports say that his misborn wife forced the kings to kneel before him. It's like, no, yeah, that's what happened, kind of. I guess Elland wasn't technically there when they were kneeling, but also, you know, there were like armies there to witness that. There were a lot of people there who could report that. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Also, like Vin came up with that idea. It wasn't really Ellen's idea to be like kneel. Neil before Zod. Yeah. I guess, though, you can't really go, oh, no, that was all her. It had nothing to do with Ellen. That, that, you, you can't just go, well, they're not a united front because then no one's going to want to follow. Yeah. Um, Plus, it doesn't fit their narrative to say, oh, no, Ellen had nothing to do with that. And so. Right. It probably also doesn't make much sense. I mean, for, for in their narrative. Oh, yeah. The, the king, this horrible tyrant who beat everybody in battle and took everything over. He wasn't there. When it happened, uh, he was somewhere else. It's not dramatic enough that way <laughs> to know that like him and one other guy were out hiding in the woods uh, on their way back. They're like, is it is the battle over yet? Can you tell? I don't know. I guess let's go. <laughs> it's like, who won? <laughs> Your flag is flying. What? <laughs> yeah, it was just. Yeah. He's uh, like, even if we won, why would my flag? What? What? Uh, okay. But you know, Quellian makes some decent points in this conversation, mostly because he's right on some stuff. He's like, you know, we're killing noblemen here like the survivor said we should. And then says like, well, you know, but after peace was achieved, and Quellian's like, tell me, did you ever hear you, you say you're one of his friends? Did the survivor you ever hear him talk about peace? And says like, no, I do. I did love Quellian's line about, oh, war is often the excuse of tyrants. I'm like, ooh, oh, I like that. I might remember that one. Mm, it's a good line. Yeah. And I, I think Quillian answers the question that we had here. Where he's like, the only reason I'm talking to you is because Venture sent a terrorist If he'd sent a nobleman, which I don't know, I guess he's probably not aware that Breeze is actually a nobleman. 
But uh, he's like, if he'd sent an Obelman, I would have killed the Kerr and sent his blackened skull back as an answer. Aurian's definitely an Obelman. I don't think anyone's, like, questioning that. So if the two of them had showed up by themselves, this might not have gone well. And then he calls Breeze out on using Allomancy on them. <laughs> I, I love he's like, yeah, how many friends have your magic made for you? That pretty girl there, did you ha- use your arts to hex her into your bed? Which is like, oh, you don't know Aurian at all. You yeah. silly, silly person. You know, throughout all this, and, and then in the chapters that followed, my my one question is, I feel like Spook knows that Quellian's guys have allomancy, and that yep. goes directly against kind of their whole vibe in the city. So yep. he should really, I mean, if he hasn't, if he did it off page, that's one thing, but he should really be reporting that to his friends and be like, look, this is how we undermine them. This is how we overthrow them, by like exposing them. Yep, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Spook is not being completely rational, uh, in case anyone hadn't noticed. But yeah, it's po- I, don't, I don't recall. It's possible he he mentioned that off page, or that we'll find out later that you know he's like, oh, by the way. But I don't recall at the moment. Actually, we definitely haven't seen it mentioned yet. So, kind of a big deal though. He knows for a fact, like, well, so he knows that there was at least one pewter guy left because one of the pewter guys got killed, and he knows that there's a coin shot. Uh, that the citizen is a coin shot is what he said. So that's that's yeah. kind of significant. <laughs> I feel like that's the most important piece here, because if, if Quellian has Alamancy and he's the citizen, then that like completely destroys anything that he says mm-hmm. in relation to the society that he's built. We're just going to figure out how to prove that. And so that's that's the tough part. <laughs> I like Breeze's reaction to him calling him out. He's like. Oh, maybe instead of congratulating yourselves on noticing it, maybe you should ask yourself why I manipulated you into saying what you just did. <laughs> it's so not helpful as Says kind of thinks in his little internal monologue here, but I so feel like that's exactly the kind of thing that I would say. It's like, oh, yeah, really? Well, maybe you should think about that a little deeper and uh, figure out the, the depth of my manipulation of you if you're so sure that I'm manipulating you. It's totally breeze and it's totally not helpful. But Says also has some good points where he's like, Things are getting worse. Have you not noticed people like dying out in the mists? The ash is falling all the time. The coloss are running free. Is stuff is bad. Maybe you could use some help. But the citizen is not interested in hearing any of that. We aren't worried about our future because we follow the survivor. Now get out. But Sage gets him to agree that they can stay in town. He's like, you know, maybe I want to meet with you again. He's like, yeah, the meeting's not going to happen, but fine, <laughs> you can stay. Yeah, and that part I really don't get on the citizens' side. Like, yeah. nothing good can can happen from you letting them stay in your city. Like, it's either going to be neutral or it's going to be bad for you. Yeah. I see his point that, like, oh, if I tell you to get out, you're just going to sneak back in. That's true, but not all 200 of them are going to sneak back in. So mm-hmm. That's a good point. It may, I, it may be one of those things where he's like, I want you here where I can keep an eye on what you're doing and not, like, out there stirring up trouble outside of town. We know that he's shipped out a bunch of people to farms and stuff and is forcing them to stay outside of town. So who knows what they trouble they could get up to out there. But maybe he has another reason. Maybe he's got a plan. Yeah, he's practicing neutral gin. <laughs> now you just got to sell that the to, the, uh, to the Inquisitors. Mm, they are looking for terracemen. Oh, you got to figure. Says is kind of a big name now he's like the chief ambassador for the empire if the 
Inquisitors are getting any like intelligence. They've got to know who, who this guy is and that he's out there. Knowing who he is is one thing. Knowing where he is is another. So if he's contained to this city and they know he's contained to this city, it's going to be a lot easier for them to get him. Mm, yeah. But yeah, they leave and they're like, man, this uh, city's kind of down. It did, that meeting did not go well. And Bree's like, hey, it's fine. This guy's probably sounds worse than he actually is. It's fine. And then they see a big bonfire and they're like, oh, what's that? And that's when one of the soldiers is like, yeah, that's tapestries and furniture, rich stuff. Quellian probably just keeps storehouses of it so they can be order. He can order them burned at dramatically appropriate times. <laughs> yeah. I like how it takes says the minute here to be like, wait a minute. How do you know that? Yeah. He's like, oh. It is funny that it takes, like, in the last book, we had kind of the same thing where Spook shows up dressed as one of the soldiers and it takes everyone a minute to be like, oh, oh that's Spook. Here, he shows up dressed as one of the soldiers, and I guess his hood's up, so that's an excuse. But he's also got, like, these glasses with a big, thick cloth tied cloth, on them. Yeah, exactly. It's like, how does this not stand out to you as somebody who is different from your other soldiers? Also, he goes on a big old monologue. I'm just like, at not one point do you think, that voice is familiar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, in the second book, like, he had a, yeah. he had maybe one or two lines, and then they squinted and saw it was him. This time, <laughs> he's talking for a while before they click. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, he was doing an accent. He was like, oh, yeah, that's where Quillian keeps all his gear. You know, so they didn't, they didn't understand. No, it was him. <laughs> was, that, was that meant to be our accent? No, that was meant to be a terrible version of a Cockney accent. Okay. okay. It was some, I don't it think was I can do, right. I don't think I can do Australian. Uh, I don't know. Good day. Yeah, that's as much as I got. <laughs> our, our our cousin had a daughter who grew up watching Peppa Pig all the time, and so oh, when she God. first started learning to talk, she was talking with a British accent. English, yeah. Well, actually, and, that means your 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 kids might actually pick up an Australian accent if they're watching a lot of Bluey. That's that's what I was about to say. The kids have been watching so much Bluey; they love it so much that I'm constantly like, they're going to start saying words with like this little Australian accent, and it's going to be hilarious. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, good show though anyway so but yeah they uh they they i I feel like maybe it's it's just adding to spook's thing where he's like oh nobody notices or cares about me that they don't even recognize his voice they're just like eventually oh hey that's spook it's that guy whatever i'm just used to him talking like an idiot i don't recognize it when he speaks english oh come on we can't use that excuse anymore he's had a whole book of not talking like that that's true we don't know how much time he's actually spent around, like, Breeze and Sazed, though, so... In fairness, yeah, Breeze never seemed like the type who wanted to hang out with him. <laughs> no, I don't see the two of them as drinking buddies. That, that can make sure... That, there's another odd couple show for you, Spook and Breeze. Well, maybe uh, maybe Spook would go to Breeze <laughs> to pick up for tips on picking up women, and Breeze is just like, dude, I, you, you can't do what I do, so don't even try. <laughs> yeah. And he he absolutely refuses to answer questions about his blindfold. They don't try real hard, which is kind of funny. They're just like, okay, whatever. And he suggests that they use as a base of operations the Ministry Canton of Inquisition building. Apparently, Quellian ordered the Ministry buildings boarded up, but did not ransack or burn them. So even he's too scared to mess with the Ministry buildings that are, have been long abandoned at this point. And this... Breeze says it's a healthy, rational fear to be scared of Inquisitors. And Spook's like, nah, they're too busy trying to kill Vin. Come on. Is it weird that they're both right? Uh, yeah, right? It's a little bit. 
But it turns out that the uh, the storage cache is below this building, then snuck into the city to find it at one point. And so that is where he's suggesting they use as a base. They can pretend that the upstairs is, you know, populated with all their people, but they can secretly have this giant supply of food and a place to fall back to that's extremely defensible. See, that's and, not a bad idea in theory. Yeah. But the issue is they're still putting a spotlight on where the cache is. So if they do have to fall back and def- uh, and defend the cache, yeah, they can hold out. But they're still putting a big old sign there saying this is where the cache is. Mm-hmm. So, like, then, you know, Quellian knows about it. Whereas previously he just had no freaking clue. So, yeah, yeah it's not the that's, best. That's assu- I mean, he doesn't know anything about even a potential cache at this point. So... The only yeah, way so he that, would find out is if they fall back and then his men get in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like the, Quillian had no chance of stumbling, stumbling across it by accident oh, until true. now. If they refuse to go in that building, yeah, he's definitely not going to find it by accident. There's also an explanation in the annotations about why Breeze has never been in a storage cache before, but I don't really think it's super relevant. So, But yes, this is a new experience for him. And we find out that they also have a large supply of fresh water down here in this cache. Every cache has a specialty that it has more of than any place else, and this one is supplied with fresh water. And the chapter ends with being like, well, I guess now we know what happened to all the water from the canals. Which isn't that just like the Lord Ruler to, like, this whole city's economy and, like, how it works is based on these canals. And he's like, yeah, just send that stuff into the into the cave. Screw them. Also, this made me think, I'm not sure if the Lord Ruler really thought these caches out that well, because these cities are all a fair distance from each other. Like, yeah, this one's got all the water, it doesn't have all the food, but if the mists are out there and killing people, then that's making it dangerous to try and transport those resources to the places that don't have them, so... Yeah, I mean, they all have lots of food and water, this one just has way more water, but yeah, it's a really good point. Like, what are you going to do with all the extra water? The other other caches can't use it, so... Yeah... I don't know, unless there's unless this leads into my thought about how the Kanja homeland is just underneath everywhere, and it turns out they can all lead into these caches mm. through ancient forgotten tunnels, and that's actually how people are intended to get around away from the, you know, away from the mists. Lord Ruler just wanted everyone to be the Morlocks. <laughs> I'd forgotten your theory about like the the subsurface world that was just like a giant cave system under the Final Empire. That's yeah. That would work. Look, I've been watching the, the recent American Godzilla movies with the Hollow Earth theory, and it's like, oh, yep, that's that, that's that's <laughs> happening here. Hollow Skadriel. Yep. That's the end of that chapter. We move into the next one. Everyone had wondered the whole time, like, why did Rashek hate the terrorist people so much and tr- try so hard to destroy their religion? And it's pretty – the conclusion here is pretty much what we'd already decided is probably – Rashik didn't want anyone to know about the power in the Well of Ascension and try to take it. He was keeping that shit for himself. Very reasonable. Although, strangely, the Well of Ascension also figures, like, in the Lord Ruler's religion. And, like, he went to the Well of Ascension and got superpowers and beat the demoness. So he wasn't obscuring it that much. Yeah, and I think there's just some inconsistencies between the books on certain... Which, you know, we know some of the information that we were given was actually false. But I feel like there's some inconsistencies between the books on certain information about how the Lord Ruler got his powers and what those powers actually were. Even even in this book, which I don't remember, is it this epigraph or the next one, where the epigraph writer specifically says something that I was like, wait, earlier he said something different. It's about 
his where his the power came from only only ruin. Where, okay, is that, no, this I know. one or is that the next one? In 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 this epigraph, it says Rashek knew that preservation's power would eventually return to the Well of Ascension. Knew so that, that preservation's that power. It's it's the next epigraph where it says he only ever touched one of the powers. Yes, yeah. Uh, but then okay. earlier in the book, it talks about how he used preservation's power to do X and ruin's power to do Y. Like it didn't it didn't match up. I don't. I remember us discussing that it seemed like he used preservation's power to do X and ruin's power to do Y. I don't believe that it said that in the text. I think that was something that we. It didn't uh, say that in the epigraph. No, I, I think, think it was that. I think it was yeah. that uh, it said ruin was whispering in his ear, not necessarily that he was using ruin's power. Let me go back because, like I said, I wrote these epigraphs down verbatim, so I'm going to go back and, right. and look through these notes here for a sec. You guys, yeah, I'm going to look at the epigraphs also first. How, how many how many pages have you got now? Because these epigraphs um, are friggin' huge. Yeah, I've got probably about twelve pages. Because I write summaries of the chapters too, but my summaries are usually like five or six lines, and my and the, the epigraphs are verbatim, so it takes longer. Yeah. Okay, so let's see. There's one that says Alamancy was born with the mists. When Roshek took the power at the Well of Ascension, he became aware of certain things. Some were whispered to him by Ruin, others were granted to him as an instinctive part of the power. Nuggets of pure alamancy, the power of preservation itself. Uh, so that talks about the nuggets that give you alamancy. But then there was another one related to that. Where is it? Oh, here we go. It also shows his mindset during his time with preservation's power. Under its influence, he was obviously in a protected mode. Instead of leveling the ash mounts and trying to push the plant back into place, he was reactive, working furiously to fix problems that he himself had caused. So it says during his time with preservation's power. That's mm. that's the part that's con- conflicting to me here because it's saying he only touched ruin's power. Wait, where does it say he only touched? Hold on. It it says he only touched one of the powers. Isn't that what? Okay. So he only uh, touched one of the powers, so he only had preservation's power? I'd see, again, it's conflicting. Yeah, so it says, this, of course, was a lie. After all, he only touched one of the powers, and only in a very small way at that. That's the next epigraph after this one. So, and then this one says, the one that you read says he had preservation's power. Yeah, see, that's confusing to me, because it says that he, because that same epigraph that I was reading from, it says it shows that Rashek got better and better at using the power. It burned out in a mm-hmm. matter of minutes. Yep. He pushed the plant too close to the sun, but then it says it also shows his mindset during his time with preservation's power mm-hmm. because he, he messed stuff up. So if he was using preservation's power, why would he mess it up? I, like that's the part I'm confused about. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're saying it, it says he's using preservation's power, but he was able to use preservation's power to do things that weren't preserving. Yeah. That's okay. what I'm. Conf- that's why I'm confused about. That's why it seems conflicting to me. And I, I remember at the time we were talking about it's like maybe like he used Ruin's power to do A and Preservation's power to do B, and that's why. You're right. Yeah, we're we're the one who juxtaposed that or whatever. But uh, at the same time, it sounds like the writer's yeah. talking about two different powers. So yeah, that that is a question. I mean, I guess we don't know that much about the power in the. We don't know what it can and can't do. I mean, we found out in this book that it could do stuff like moving planets, which we never had any idea that it was that powerful before this book even. And so we still don't know much about it. And so maybe we could say that 
he had preservation's power the whole time, but because Ruin whispered stuff for him to do, the stuff he did was not in line with what preservation is. Yeah. I mean, it could have just been Ruin's influence that messed up some of the stuff he was doing. Or, I mean, yeah. it could have, and we know that a lot of the mistakes that he made, he was, like, he's trying to save people by getting rid of the mist. So he's trying to preserve the people of the world. But he was a screw-up and didn't know enough to do it right, and then he fucks it up. So he's trying to preserve in a way. He's just fucking it up as he goes because he, he's not good enough at it. So maybe that's also a way to look at it, I guess. I don't know. And hopefully we're going to learn more about the power as we go further into this. It would be sad if uh, we never found out more about these powers. And really, the one of the epigraphs you just read says that, like, the power that he took at the Well of Ascension was only a small portion of Preservation's power. So, imagine, like, he took enough power there to be able to move planets for a few minutes, and that was just a little bit of what there is somewhere, somehow. Now i got to find where we were. Give me a second. All right, so the chapter... Ellen starts with, you're not going to try to talk me out of this? And Hammond said, like, no, why would we? Ellen keeps expecting people to be like, no, that's crazy. Don't do that. Forgetting that, you know, Hammond is, was part of Kelsier's crew. Everything Kelsier did was, oh, that's crazy. Don't do that. They're just used to it. Meanwhile, Seth is probably going, hey, what happens? You die. I can't lose. Yep. I, that's exactly Seth's opinion, I think. <laughs> I just keep thinking of the Dave Chappelle jokes like, don't do that. That's five to ten. <laughs> <laughs> and like Ellen tries to argue. He's like, but what about all of these reasons? It's a bad idea. And they're like, no, it's fine. Set thinks that Yeoman's just going to run when two Mistborn show up to potentially assassinate him, which is probably would probably be the smart move, quite honestly. And then Ellen's like, no, he's not going to move. He's not going to run, rather, because he needs to look like a king and be powerful and whatever. And says so like, well, he's dumb. Like, yeah, okay, said he's the guy who took over the kingdom that you lost because you suck, and you didn't care about trying to please anyone. And Seth's so like, a king doesn't have to please anyone. He's the one with the army. That means other people have to please him. It's like, how did you get here, Seth? How did you? How did you ever be in a position of power? But then he learns what it means to be in the survivors' crew because Ham gives him a logic puzzle, and Seth is just like, what the actual fuck, dude? And they're just like, oh, that's right, you're new. <laughs> you're the new guy. And yeah, if you so, want to be let into the inner circle, you have to solve a series of logic puzzles. <laughs> it's like the Ravenclaw common room. You have to solve the puzzle to get in. What is your name? Uh, Ash I Weather. seek that's the grail. Yeah, that is a dumb name. <laughs> what is the capital of Assyria? Uh, I, I still don't know that. It, it's Nineveh, I think, actually. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I haven't Googled it. I could Remember that time that Jonah went to Nineveh? Good times. <laughs> and then uh, and then his, his shade tree got shriveled up because he, he was being a little jerk. Anyway, I like set jump straight to, so Ellen, if you die, I'm in charge, right? And Ellen's like, uh, Vin is in charge after me. You know that. And Seth's like, well, yeah, but if you both die, I'm in charge, right? It's like he's talking to a kid. It's like, you know, <laughs> you know for a fact that after me, it's Vin. Yeah, yeah, but after that, yes, it'll be your turn after that. Yes. If, if Daddy dies, Mommy's in charge. If Mommy and Daddy both die, Uncle Sazed is in charge. <laughs> well, and it is kind of hilarious that Sazed is third in line to the throne of the Empire, because you know he doesn't want that. 
yeah can you imagine he's just like reading through like religious texts sitting on the throne just like sighing like he doesn't even want to be in charge of the terrorist people and he's gonna get put in charge of the whole empire if something happens to vin and ellen and set it really is like talking to a little kid because he's like says this next in line for the imperial succession we've talked about this set and so it's like yeah 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 but what about the army because says isn't here so i'm in charge of the army right (laughs) and ellen sighed if somehow Yeoman manages to kill both Vin and myself, then I suggest you run, because yes, you'd be in charge here, and the Mistborn who killed us will come for you next. And then Ham's kind of, he's, he's, he doesn't love this. And Ellen's like, dude, I tried to give you a title. I tried to put you in a leadership position. You did not want that. Which, yeah, I believe that. Ham's not really a leader. We've talked about that before. He's, he's not the, the, the leader of men guy. And then Ham's suge- he's like, well, yeah, but what about Damu? Wouldn't he be better? Damu's really come up in the world. He's, he's going to be... Ham's like, hey, let's put him in charge of the army. He is a general now or something, right? So maybe that makes sense. But also, Damu's still sick. So that wouldn't really work either. Or is he? Is he up by now? I forget. I remember he's sick for a while. I don't think we've seen him yet. No, I didn't think so. And then Vin walks out in, like, a gorgeous gown. And everyone's just like, what the F is going on right now? Then Ham and Vin have that fun moment that I think uh, Jack mentioned where it's like, ah, I remember when we first met. Wasn't that fun? It's been five years. And Ellen's reaction is, if that's the dress that the cooking girls are wearing, then I'm paying them way too much. He's like, seriously, where'd you get the dress? And she's like, yeah, it, it's a mystery. We Mistborn are incredibly <laughs> mysterious. <laughs> He's like, hey, that worked before, but now I'm a Mistborn. That makes no sense. We Miss Borton need not make sense. It's beneath us. Yeah. Which is a direct quote from Kelsier in the first book, if anyone remembers. Yeah, I did think about that. Yeah. He, she should just really say, like, you know, we, uh, we women, we're mysterious. <laughs> it's funnier the other way, though. Yeah, you right. That's just sexist if you're like, uh, we women, you know. Oh, am I being sexist? I'm sorry. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, who's to say? Who's to, who is to say? And Ham's like, have fun dancing with our enemies. You know what Jamie could probably say? Am I being sexist, Jamie, by saying that? Ah, uh, no. I think it's okay. All right. I'm going to go with Jamie on this one. Yep. Signed <laughs> off by Jamie yeah, officially. I'm sure it doesn't matter what you say today. There'll be people who are offended by it. Oh, you're right. So, yeah. I mean, the yeah. intent I mean, The intent certainly wasn't there. I think because it's, it's tongue-in-cheek as well. Like, it's a bit different if you were saying it and we were, like, genuinely, yeah. like, wow, we're we were right. Like, yeah, I think it has a different tone. Yeah, you're right. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, also not but, easily offended, so. Oh, that helps, yeah. That does help. Yeah. <laughs> the, the end of this section may be my favorite part of, of this whole thing where. Oh, it's so good. They take off, and Ham's like, so, you can't go anywhere unless someone carries you, right? And Set grunts, and he's like, so, I've got quite a number of philosophical puzzles you might enjoy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real, like, <laughs> it's a real, like, superhero joke moment where you're like, wow, that was legitimately funny. I'm surprised. <laughs> this is Ham's version of hazing the new guy. Yeah. And Set can't do anything about it. It's mean. Breeze at least could walk away, except Breeze was too lazy to walk away. That's why he used Breeze before. Breeze is too lazy to move. So now he's found someone who can't move. Yep. <laughs> and just wants desperately to leave. 
Set's just like yelling for his porters, like, get over here quick. They can't hear you, Set. No one can hear you. Now, for my next logic puzzle. Oh, Jesus, he's bringing out another book. (laughs) Hmm. And then we find out uh, Ellen finally drags out a Vin as they're jumping through the city. He's like, you paid a dressmaker inside the city to make that for you, didn't you? He's like, actually, I paid a friend inside the city to have it made for me. Presumably we're talking about Slow Swift, but the the guy who's named Dak hates. Eh, I mean, it's no Ashweather. Yeah. And then uh, they think they think about potentially sneaking in and come to the decision. It's like, no. We're going to land smack in the middle of, like, the spotlights and where everybody's walking in. And we're going to stroll in like we own the place. And they make a very dramatic entrance. And everyone's staring. And Vin's like, yeah, let's get inside before the they, those guys get the guards. It's like the ultimate party don't start till I walk in moment. Like, we're <laughs> here, bitches. But there's another great moment where they, they walk in and Ellen hands the, the, announce, the guy who announces people the card. And he reads it. And then he looks at Ellen, and Ellen's like, yep, I'm afraid it's true. Yeah, this is a big Amer- the uh, American in the Office moment for me, because like it's like the episode where they go to the garden party, and he announces everybody super loudly. And he tells his uh, he tells Dwight in an earlier episode that his daughter's name is Pee-Pee, or, Pip- or uh, Pippa, and Dwight thinks it's Pee-Pee, so he says, James, Pamela, and Pee-Pee Halpert. It's very good. This one made me think of. Uh, that that's mean name your girl pp he didn't actually but but i do like that apparently vin uh she's not this empress vin venture vin venture is a really alliterative name i have to say and it hadn't occurred to me before but uh it's kind of it's kind of fun to say but heir of the survivor and hero of ages so she's just using that that's like on her business card now it seems a little presumptuous i'm just saying it's, it's just like Mother of Dragons, Breaker, Chains, all that sort of shit. It's like, ah, you know what? I'm just going to take it. Anything to make people take me more seriously. Mm. And everyone gets quiet and stares at them. And they walk in and everybody kind of tries to go back to what they were doing. And so they're going to they're gonna try to mingle at this party. They spot Yeoman, Aradan Yeoman, King of the Western Dominance. I don't think we'd ever heard his first name before. See, so, that is a fucking name. <laughs> in a good that or a bad way awesome. that is awesome okay aradan and it goes so well with the surname too aradan yeoman rolls off the tongue that's that that is fucking great reminds me of aragorn i think is why it's is why i have like a positive association with it yeah i can see that and soldiers start to come in and kind of stare at these guys and eventually i think yeoman waves them off so uh vin and ellen are allowed at the party Yay. So they're going to split up and talk to people. And uh, Alan says, we're here to shatter this people's image of safety. And we've just proved that Yeoman can't keep us out of Fadrex. Which is true, yeah. They, they just went right in there. And so Vin is kind of walking around. And she's not sure what to do because she was never really good at these parties. And she doesn't even have the role of, like, Valette Renu to hide behind anymore. But at some point, she kind of realizes, she's like, you know what? I have the role of Vin Venture, freaking Empress, so maybe I can play that. Again, it's like, I got called Hero of Ages when I walked in. Fuck it, I'm going to hero this shit up. Yeah. And so she's like, there's going to be this really complex layers of political intrigue going on here, because there always are, right? So I don't have time for that. What I'm going to have to do is find, like, 
the alpha female, the, the channel aerial of this party, and I got to break her and just sabotage her hold on all of the, like, important women. And that's where I got to start because I don't have time to understand the subtleties of the intrigue going on in this court. And so she walks up to this group where she's like, I can tell this girl's the leader and she's got all these her, her younger sycophants around her. And then just walks up and she's like, she's planning to betray you. She has plans to get out of the city. And when the army attacks, she's not going to be here and she's going to leave you to die. But if you're on my side, I can make sure you're protected. And the one's like, excuse me? I Did I invite you? And it's like, no, I invited myself. Thank you. Someone had to warn these people. It's a hell of a first impression. Yeah. The, the lady's like, Vin's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't need your permission. I do what I want. And the lady's like, your threats don't frighten me. And Finn's like, I haven't even threatened you yet. Although I guess technically I'm threatening the entire city with my giant army, but you know, splitting hairs. And then when she finds out this lady's name, she didn't even know her name when she shows up. She just shows up and like bashes her in front of all of her friends. And then she finds out the name. She's like, oh, isn't isn't your family the cousin of House Ilarial? I killed an Ilarial one time. Man, that was a fun fight. Good old Shan. Uh, good times. Finn's first misborn kill. Which, you gotta admit that whatever whatever you want to say about about the guy who trained Kelsier, he uh, he gave Kelsier a much easier first misborn kill than Vin got. That's true. Of course, Kelsier didn't make Vin fight Shan and Ilarial, so it's not really his fault, but... And so she kind of almost gets into a conversation with this lady. And the lady's like, well, I think. And then she's like, no, no, you don't understand, do you? It doesn't matter what you think. You have connections and, you know, people who listen to you, blah, 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 blah whatever. I have 40,000 coloss outside and <laughs> two Mistborn. So, you know, suck it. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like the, it's like the old WWF with the rock. He's like, it doesn't matter what your name is. It is very much like that. Now that you say that, yeah. And I've watched that WWF since we were like since like the nineties. Uh, it's just it, the like the ultimate move is like all these women are afraid of this woman. So Vin just walks up and just like absolutely destroys her and shows you shows her just how much she's not afraid of her. And it's like, yeah, you're fucked. So uh, you guys, you want you want help? You come with me. And just and just then just like mic drops and walks away, and everyone's just wondering what the fuck just happened. It's just brilliant in just how brutally she brings her down. And the funny thing is, she didn't even expect it to work as well as it does. She thought that she was walking in and through showing how little she cared that she would, you know, plant some seeds of doubt. And then she does her mic drop. She walks away from the table and everyone at the table except that woman gets up and follows her. Hey, husband, look, I have a posse. <laughs> and they're like, In fairness, if I was sitting at that table and the Empress just came in and started smacking down and showing the display of strength in her army and the 40,000 Kolos, I'd probably want to be on her side too. Yeah. I, I would be falling all over myself to get on uh, her good side. So, yeah, no, I, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Let's get some of that gravy train. I mean, potentially not the tactic I would have used, but, I mean, I'm not, I'm not as mysterious as a Mistborn, so... <laughs> Jamie's like, I'm not a Mistborn. I have to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> and the women are like, can, can we show you around the party and introduce you to everyone? Please? Vin gets to be the popular, the Chandelier at the party for the first time ever. 
And really, it's kind of funny because that is how Shan operated, too. We, we saw how she treated Vin, where it's like, you are so unimportant that I could not care less what you have to say. I'm just that much more important than you. And you're going to do what I say because it's an honor to be used by me. That was Shan's whole like thing. And Vin kind of takes the same approach a little bit here. I guess that's what these these women are responding to, though. Yep. So if it works. <laughs> go with what works. Yep, there you go. And then we get to the last epigraph of this set of chapters. Rashek wore both black and white to show that he was of preservation and ruin, but that was a lie. He only touched one of the powers and only in a very small way at that. I mentioned in an episode not that long ago that there was a a little an annotation where he talked about how Rock, the Lord Ruler wore black and white to show that he was of both. I'd forgotten that it's also in an epigraph here. It just shows you, like, he probably wrote those annotations for the first book before he wrote the third book. So it was like, hey, that's some little bit of backstory I have in my brain. We'll slip that in there somewhere. <laughs> so there, there's a note in about this scene uh, with where Vin confronts Lady Petrison in here. Where it says, originally I had Vin's attack convince Lady Petrison to seek Vin's favor. But a friend of mine convinced me that it was far more realistic to have the lackey suddenly switch sides instead. For setting me straight, Jancy, I guess is this the friend's name, gained the dubious right to rename Lady Petrison, who had been called something else before. And being who she is, Jancy named the woman after herself and then said, I get to be the girl who gets spurned by Vin. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah, that's fun. I'm starting to feel like Calculon when he t- when he t- asks like you know does anyone here not have amnesia? I'm just like looking at all these characters like like does anyone here not get named after Brandon's friends? Well, I mean he let the lady rename her. How was he supposed to know she's gonna name him after herself? Name her after herself? I guess. Fantasy names are tough, and I think that's part of the thing is like you gotta come up with decent sounding names all the time for all these different, but they can't be like normal people names. So I can understand going to other, like, looking for words and names around you and kind of changing them slightly. Or even letting somebody else make a suggestion. So Sazed is confirming that, yep, the uh, the rivers were diverted in, Underground River was diverted into this reservoir, and that is what drained the canals above. And Breeze is like, geez, why? That's a lot of effort just to move a river. I find out that this water actually is probably, like, the the cleanest water in the Final Empire. It's filtered through the rock, and it doesn't get ash in it because it's never above ground. So it's some good water. You probably don't think about that, but probably most of the water they drink ends up with some ash in it. It's gross. Yep, I had not thought about that until now. Yuck. (laughs) And Says is like, you know, the Lord Ruler wasn't worried about causing financial ruin in Urto. He didn't care about that part. He just wanted to make sure the cavern had water. And so they start planning what they're going to do to take this city. Ellen wanted them to secure the city somehow. The citizen has proven unwilling to meet with us again, so we need other options. Hang on, hang on. There's just one thing like early on in the chapter which we need to cover. Sace has the internal thought of, I am, unfortunately, in charge, which is almost word for word the first epigraph of, I am, unfortunately, the hero of ages. Oh, you're right. Huh? That is extremely similar. Like, that's just, man, that's got to be, it has to be Sazed. I mean, that seems like it's dropping a pretty big hint there with that exact same phrasing, doesn't it? There's some foreshadowing for you. Now I can't tell if you're messing with me. Or it's a misdirect. I've got that fry meme where he's narrowing his eyes like, not sure if being genuine (laughs) or messing with me. Uh, It's it's all just to throw you off the trail of Aurian being the uh, hero of ages. 
it's a sinister plot by Brandon Sanderson to get you to not recognize the truth. No, I'm sorry, I like the question from Justice League Unlimited. The plastic tips on the end of shoelaces are called aglets, and their true purpose is sinister. Always with the fucking aglets. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> Who doesn't enjoy an aglet? Show. Oh gosh. But Spook's idea is, uh, let's kill the Lord. Let's kill the Lord Ruler. Let's kill the citizen. Just send some assassins. And Breeze is like, Nah, bro. That 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 don't that won't fly. He's like, We killed the Lord Ruler. That worked. Also notice how he waits till other people shows up to suggest this. Yeah. Also notice his infatuation with killing. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe a ruin speaking inside of him, telling him to kill, kill, kill. Kill him. I don't want to kill him. That's Breeze. But no, the Breeze and Alran make the point that it's like, if we kill the citizen, somebody else will just take his place. He's not the Lord Ruler. He's not the God King uh, who no one could possibly replace. Some One of his guys will take charge. And then they'll probably execute us because we killed the previous ruler. So that doesn't work for anybody. And Spook still hasn't divulged that they've got alimentic powers. So that would be relevant. An assassination yeah. <laughs> attempt, right? C- kind of crucial information, that. Mm. He's the one who's like, we need to get in there and assassinate him. You need to mention that it's like, oh, by the way, he can shoot coins at you if you come for him. Because that's going to make a difference in the planning. I'm just, you know. Uh, and Sage is still like, maybe we should, maybe we can still work with him. And. Spook's like, haven't you seen how bad it is here? Like, you've been here three days already. And Shady's like, well, yeah, but I don't know that we can really fault the citizen's views. He's doing what the survivor taught. He's right. The survivor said, hey, we kill all the noblemen, and he's doing that thing. So can we be surprised that people heard Kelsier speak and then created this society based on that? Which, no, you really can't. And Breeze and Spook and Alran are all having kind of argue that it's like, this is the way that we need to do this. Like, it's for the greater good, Breeze says. We, we have to get everything under Ellen Venture for the good of everyone because that's how we're going to survive this is by being united under this flag of the, the guy who's actually a smart and logical ruler who's trying to help people. So Breeze is like, OK, we can't do anything yet. We need to kind of get the lay of the land, figure out how close are people to rebelling, how active is the local criminal element, how corruptible are the men in the new government. Give me some time. And Spook's like, but I just, I want to kill people. Why can't we just kill the citizen like we did the Lord Ruler? That's what Kelsier did. And uh, Breeze's like, well, we don't have Kelsier anymore. We don't have this dramatic figure to rally the people behind. So we got to be smart. Spook, here is your opportunity to go, hey, but I've been speaking to Kelsier. (laughs) It's like, we don't have Kelsier anymore. I do. (laughs) I've got him in my head. Will that help anyway? Anyhow, <laughs> we have them in our heads and our hearts. The real uh, Kelsey was in you all along. Oh my god! <laughs> Maybe he just needs to tell the citizen this and go. No, like I'm speaking to Kelsia. He might come out as totally crazy, but maybe the citizen will be like, "Oh, what is Kelsia's bidding?" And then they're gonna still go kill, kill, kill because that's what <laughs> fake Kelsia wants. Um, and then there would just be a bloodbath anyway. Yeah. He's like, I am the prophet of the survivor and I can speak <laughs> to him. What is your bidding, my master? <laughs> I wonder if that would work. That would be Spook's going to be like. You, you couldn't really do the whole tell me something that only the survivor knew because Quellian never met the survivor. So like, how would you? I wonder how you would convince him. 
can be hard to prove that. That's a good point. Unless I mean, Quellian's just also crazy, so. I mean, that's entirely possible. Unless he's also been having visions of Kelsia. And, and, and then they start having the same vision. It's like, wait, we're having a three-way conversation? Oh, my God. You can see it, too? Yeah. Maybe that's how it's it a menage a talk? <laughs> good Lord. So, Says is having his internal monologue, and he wanders over to the plate that the Lord Ruler left here with the words that he was leaving behind. The plan is simple. When the power turns to the well, I will take it and make certain the thing remains trapped. And still I worry. It has proved far more clever than I assumed, infecting my thoughts, making me see and feel things I do not wish to. It is so subtle, so careful. I cannot see how it could cause my death, but still I worry. So, and according to the the epigraph writer, it kind of was behind causing his death, so he was right to worry. <laughs> it is a very subtle force, and he acknowledges it here. And apparently it's the Lord Ruler is seeing and hearing things, or feeling things, rather, that he doesn't want to. So, uh, Ruin may have gotten to him somehow also. Well, like we saw when he confronted Kelsia, he had a few spears driven through him. God knows how many times he's been impaled with metal spikes Mm -hmm. Uh, in that time, possibly those spikes also went through people's hearts and into him. So he's like, oh no, now I've got the, got the visions and the, and all that bullshit. (laughs) Gotta get those out. I hate when this happens. And I I like the part where he's like, by the way, if you're a priest of mine and you're reading this, then you're going to be in trouble if you share this knowledge. But here you go. My researchers have discovered Electrum. Maybe this will help you. And so here's where they found out about Electrum. It was a good thing Vince snuck into this cache and got that information, huh? Also, funny that he's just like, yeah, look, if you're reading this and I'm and I'm dead, then I fear for you. But if you're reading this and you share what what's on this, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> like, um, you're, you're dead, bro. Well, I think the thing about, like, if you're one of my priests reading this, that's assuming that he was still alive. Because okay. the priests have to, you know, carry new supplies in and out of here. Oh, yeah, good point. All right. Disregard. Uh, and then uh, Spook comes up to talk to Sazed. And he's real, He's trying real hard to not say the things that Jamie would really like him to say at this point. He could just be like, hey, you know, I'm seeing Kelsier and I've gotten this magical power that he has gifted me. But he doesn't say those things. He's like, I, I think Kelsier is still with us, Sazed. I mean, not, you know, alive or anything, but protecting us and watching over us. And says so like, yeah, I guess that's a nice sentiment. And then thinks to himself, completely false, of course. It's like and when the, when, the, when the kids talk about a monster under their bed and you say, oh, that's okay. And you, in your head you're thinking, bullshit. <laughs> exactly. And Spook is trying real hard to, he, he's like, hey, is there anything in your religions that talk about, you know, dead people watching over us or whatever? And Sazed is so used to thinking of these things in like, detached terms so it's all like theoretical and philosophical he's like oh yeah he, he doesn't think to question spook further on this and be like why are you wanting this specific information he's like oh yeah lots of religions talk about that kind of thing and uh they get into a thing where he's like what you're not gonna preach to me a religion and says explains like no i don't i don't do that anymore and spook's just like no that makes sense because obviously those religions aren't right kelsier is the one who's watching over us not those other gods which, once again, uh, should be a, a tip-off for Sazed. And he's just like, why would you say that, Spook? You know, you know that Kelsier wasn't a god. And then Spook's like, oh, I thought maybe you weren't wearing your metal mines anymore because of uh, your woman, that other keeper, Tinwill. 
you know, she didn't like religion, so I thought maybe you uh, didn't want to talk about it anymore because of her. He has this very insightful thing, but in the most offhanded and insensitive way ever. It's like, you know, that that girl you love died, and she didn't like that, so I thought maybe you didn't like it because of that, because, you know, because she died, remember? God damn it, Spook. <laughs> that, that should be the title of the podcast, honestly. It's like, damn it, Spook. <laughs> if we had episode titles, that would totally go in there. And then Says has several pages of introspection about, like, maybe he's right. Huh. That's the gist of it. I'm not going to go into all the details here. He's just like, no, yeah, this all makes sense. And then at the end of the chapter, he's like, well, better get back to my portfolio of religions and figuring out which one is true. And that's it. He's, he's introspective, but not quite uh, introspective enough to recognize what's happening here. Poor guy. Okay. Let us get into predicaments. Joe can go first this time. Oh, man. I don't know. It's been so long since we've all been together talking. I'm like, my brain's completely, <laughs> completely... Yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea. We're a bit, we're a bit rusty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe maybe they'll start like a conga line at the ball. That would be fun. <laughs> maybe Spook will actually give them some useful information, such as, hey, Quellian has Allomancy. You know, maybe that'll happen. He, he told them to use the cavern as a base. That's pretty good information. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like something's going to go wrong with that, but I that's pretty much all I got. I mean, I, I really I really can't think of anything else. It's funny you, you say that about the, the cavern turning on them. There's an annotation on this chapter. He's like, some of my alpha readers were way more worried about Say's team getting trapped in the cavern than I was. The most vocal was Scar, my military friend. They figured that it would be easy to box Says and company into the chamber and that it was a tactical mistake for them to stay down there. I, however, figured that the dangers of possible assassins from the citizen and of the building being rushed by soldiers was the more serious threat. And if I were Says and Breeze, I'd rather be trapped in a well-stocked cache than in danger up above, but to each his own, I guess. Okay. Uh, Jamie, do you have anything for predicaments this week? Um, I don't really have a huge amount. I yeah, say uh not say oh, I can't cover uh, I'm still doing that. Spook. <laughs> the other one. Far out. One. Yeah. I just I think Spook's gonna be more more trouble, just given that he's not forthcoming. Um I'm really worried about how that's gonna pan out and um interested to see where that goes with that interaction between them. I think given how strong Vin's come in at the ball, Vin and Ellen are probably gonna be okay. For the meantime, anyway, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not so not so sure about how things are going to go up in in Urtel, especially because the citizen just doesn't want a bar of them either. So, and there's, yeah. there's more going on there than we realise at the moment. So that's kind of where my concern lies at the moment. I mean, I'm kind of hoping the human will just show up at the ball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is our ball. Like, I'm human. Yeah, well, if Finn can wear one, why not human? Um, <laughs> you do you. But yeah, other than that, no, I've really got nothing. <laughs> uh, I, I can't wait for this to happen. Human at the ball, <laughs> in the ball gown. It'll be amazing. Okay. Everybody's like announcement cards and say. <laughs> Human of <laughs> <is> the Colossus. <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining him like this giant piece of wood that he's found and like carved into it is like human, but in like really childlike letters. And it's just a human in giant letters. Here's my card. <laughs> Just tosses it at the at the announcer, and the announcer gets crushed underneath it. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. Dak, what do you have? 
Okay, so uh, I'm concerned about what's going on in Urto because like I'm also wondering like you know they're staying in the in the city. They got 200 people in the city. It might make it easier for Quellian to insert a spy into their ranks, uh, mm-hmm. and then they could and then they could find out about the cash, and then that's how they get stuck down there, or Quellian finds out about the cash or whatever. So I'm cons- I'm I've got a feeling that might be the case. Spook is really yeah, like everyone said, the fact that he's not just revealing the intel he's got is concerning deeply so i don't know how that's going to pan out i am enjoying the fact that we're seeing more and more of gorodel as we go on like not enough to you know we get little bits of him here and there and he's just always present but like you know he's got a bit of a wit on him so i hope we see more of him you know <laughs> i could i could see like you know quellian launches an attack or something and gorodel comes out as the real hero saving sazed and breeze and i, I guess orianne I <laughs> if he has his time <laughs> yeah yeah it's like, uh, uh, Breeze, Breeze wants this. All right, fine. But yeah, no, I, 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 I'm, gro- I'm growing attached to Gorodel, which, yeah, I feel like either he's going to turn out to have a massive heroic moment at some point, or he's going to be the person who dies and we feel upset because we've sort of gotten attached to him. So, well, one <laughs> of the two. Or both. Um, as far as the ball goes, I think Vin, I think Vin's going to have more like insinuating herself into the people based on what we've seen than Ellen does. Ellen's going to be more focused on, um, I mean, Ellen always said he was never really that good at schmoozing. He was just good at being a smartass while schmoozing. So I think Vin's going to rock up with a posse and Ellen's going to be like, no, oh, shit, you've been busy. <laughs> so I think Ellen will be better at talking to Yeoman himself, but not so much at like the regular folk. I think Vin's got that. Vin will have that sorted out. But yeah, I'm not entirely certain on where that's going to go. I feel like we built up too much into this for it to be resolved peacefully. So there's going to be another wrinkle there. Maybe there'll be more riots in the streets. Who knows? That's that's all I got as far as serious predictions. Um, I at some point during the week I did have this weird thought of um, I mean, we haven't seen we haven't seen any of Ten soon yet. We assume he's going to break out at some point, and we assume he's going to get pursued. And I, for some reason, the thought just occurred to me. It's like, what happens if he's constantly looking over his shoulder for um, was it Kanpar? Was that the guy who the that was Kandra one of who was yeah yeah or uh, there were there were a couple of Kandras he had problems with, mm. and I feel like. He's going to be looking over his shoulder for them, expecting them to show up as like people or possibly even true body. And so he's not. So then we wouldn't expect it when all of a sudden this Coloss turns around and starts talking like the Kandra. I'm like, can the Coloss take over a can? Uh, a Kandra take over a Coloss? Uh... That would be that would be unexpected. I'm just like, oh, that that could be an interesting wrinkle. And then human could be like, you're not, you're like, you're not human like us. And then just dex him, and then we have that great fight. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I would like to see if a Kandra could take over a Coloss is really the root of this ramble. So yeah, I think we talked about that before. Like, is that a can can they do that? We don't know. That's that's one thing that we haven't seen yet. A Coloss or yeah. an Inquisitor come to think of it, I don't think we've seen one disguised as one of them either. Well, I mean, the Inquisitors are still they they may not be human anymore, but they have the same bone structure as a human. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The spikes the spikes themselves are a separate thing that gets driven into them. So I don't know if that will really affect. They're taking over as much, but the Coloss, they appear to be something else entirely. Yeah. Like in the same way the Kanja are. Like, you know, the I think Tensoon referred to them as the cousins or yep. something. Even though one even though the Coloss are ruined and the Kanja are preservation. But uh, the Coloss have bones, right? And their body structure is very, very different to a person, so Yeah. Interesting. That's it's like, you gotta keep watching out for that now. Like every Coloss we meet, it's gonna be like, wait, are you just like, just wait for that one Coloss who's just unnaturally articulate, and he's like, "Oh God, no!" <laughs> Is human unnaturally articulate? 
No, no, he's okay. that's that's pretty standard for a Colos, I think. <laughs> but yeah, based on what we saw of him in um yeah, uh, in the last book. Okay. Yeah, now I want to see this. I want to see this now. They're they're like in the middle of a huge battle, and all of a sudden Nicolas turns around and is like, you know what might be a good idea, Ben, is if you went over there. Just I, I don't want to get in your way. Just making a suggestion. I'll go back to smacking people with a sword now. <laughs> no, he he turns around turns around to her in the middle of a battle and just goes, "Hello, my name is Ken Pa. You killed my father. Prepare to die." <laughs> <laughs> of course, Contra aren't allowed to kill humans, so it might be a bad idea to disguise as a Colossus because you're not allowed to kill people. Uh, and they yeah, love killing point. people. Hmm. Of course, we don't know but if I, they're not allowed to kill other. If Colossus don't count as human, maybe they can kill them. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Okay. Sorry. Emails. We have a couple of emails this time because there was a little while that went out that went between this episode and the last one. There are a couple from Sasha, and uh, let's see. So the first thing that Sasha says is. About snapping people, we talked about snapping children by emotionally scarring them versus like beating them with sticks like they they did or whatever they beat them. And Sasha says to take that point further, what if you could snap them by using rioting? So you have like professional traumatizers going house to house instead of professional child beaters. Oh, Johnny, you stand there and we'll make you feel suicidally depressed for 30 seconds. And then afterwards, you and mom can go out for ice cream. Double scoops if you're a misborn. That is an excellent point And also... What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, still equally messed up, but it's a good point. Maybe you don't have to beat them. Yeah. Yeah. Good Good thinking. Somewhat concerning. Yeah. And then she actually follows up that email with another email that's like, as an addendum, it turns out that, and then she links to a question where somebody had asked Brandon, is it possible to soothe or riot someone so hard they snap? And Brandon says, I hadn't considered that, but yeah, that should work. So there you go. Asked and answered. Cool. Uh, and then Sasha says, also, snapping while listening to podcasts on a treadmill. I haven't had a problem with falling down. Oh, because she talked about listening to it on a treadmill in a previous email. And we made fun of that and how she's going to fall down. But she says, so I haven't had a tr- problem with falling down. But if I get power from blisters, I'll let you know. That's probably the only way that I'll get made a misting since I don't have an Apple account. <laughs> and with all these hour and a half long podcasts, I will have plenty of opportunity. And what's also, funny please- is... Sorry, please, please stay safe. Please stay safe on treadmills. I, as, mu- as much as people laugh about people falling down treadmills, I've seen what happens when people fall on those things and Ugh. go flying into a wall. It's not pretty. Or you fall and you like get horribly scraped up by the thing. That happened to me when I was a kid. It wasn't fun. Yeah. But it's funny because completely separately from these emails that Sasha was sending in, I saw someone post on Reddit asking about podcasts and talking about – it was. Oh, I can try to remember the wording because it was so funny, but it was like – this person had been listening to several different podcasts related to like Brandon's work. And they were like, there's this list on Reddit that somebody put together with a bunch of different podcasts. And the person was like, I went through those and counting the ones that are still active and that the links still work and that the voices of the hosts didn't annoy the crap out of me. The best one that I found from the list was the Sanderlanch. And I was like, oh, good. Our voices don't annoy the crap out of this person. That's a positive. Yay. But they were saying that uh, they like to listen to podcasts on treadmill and that about one hour was like the sweet spot because by like an hour and a half, they start to get blisters. And I was like, oh, I'm uh, I'm glad that you're enjoying the podcast. Sorry if we give you blisters because we're definitely an hour and a half every time. And uh, hmm. I think if I got started to get blisters on the treadmill, I would probably not use the treadmill. 
But then that person <laughs> responded, and it turns out that it is the same person who sent us the email. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Between this and the email, the last email that I sent, you must think that it's like, no, I don't actually get blisters. It's more, it's more of an expression. But and she went on to explain like what she was talking about. But it was just really funny that we ran into the same uh, person talking about this. And that apparently I was other sort of wondering how many people were how many people are running to our podcast. Right. I can yeah. understand listening to a podcast while you're running. I guess it makes sense. Yeah. I have been told I have a very sensual voice. So <laughs> I'm glad that people are enjoying our podcast. If you'd like to hear more of that. my Yeah. If you'd like to hear more of my dulcet tones, check me out on Joe Show Play on YouTube. Joe Show Play. They really need they really need you to um, finish the spook rap because then they got something can do, they can do a full workout too, because it'll have a beat and everything. Oh yeah. <laughs> See, that's what I was gonna say is I would be more prone to like music because there's like a beat. And then, I'm sorry, well after those emails, Sasha sent another email because it has been a couple weeks. And she says, the homicidal hat trick discussion amused me. And I, you guys may remember the homicidal hat trick talk that we had. Yes. Oh, yeah. And uh, how some people were upset because it was kind of anachronistic. But we were like, nah, it's good. It's cool. And so she says, that amused me because another podcast I listened to, The Legendarium, and they have a much higher gushing to criticizing ratio in general than you guys do. But one of the bones they did have to pick with this book was that they found the hat trick line too anachronistic. So the gang being firmly on Brandon's side on this one was not what I expected. But yeah, it's a great line. Uh, so yeah, that's funny. Is I I it's it's interesting that there's I have never listened to Legendarium in particular, but uh, I can imagine that other Sanderson focused podcasts don't have as much. Uh, criticizing as we sometimes do given our our level of hatred for like spook and orion i imagine most of them don't have that that's what you come here for folks it's the hatred mm-hmm. that's what really gets you it's to the hatred. back yeah i think you come here for a genuine opinion and not somebody just you know completely enamored with the author because i don't know nothing about brandon sanderson outside of mistborn i mean that could be their genuine opinion too that's not fair it could be but that's that's it though like they they all I presume at least because I haven't listened to these podcasts for fear of spoilers, but I presume they've all like done these podcasts because they are fans and they do really like right. really like talking about Sans and they come in. Whereas we've come in completely dry and we're forming our opinions on the go. You guys are there with us as we form our opinions. So we're picking up different things yeah. and finding we like different things and we dislike different things. So that's cool. Yeah. Like we don't have I the think... benefit of hindsight that everyone else does. Yeah, it's true. And we have one last email and this one is from Ben. And Ben says, hi, Sander Lanch crew. I just got caught up on the podcast and I'm loving it. I would leave a five-star review, but I'm listening on Spotify and I don't think they do reviews. I think it's really great how you interact so closely with listeners and I'll be getting on the Discord now that I'm caught up. I just discovered Sanderson last year and have been buried in the Cosmere for months. Finally finished my last Cosmere book, Warbreaker, so I can finally catch my breath. I'm very excited for you to cover the rest of the Cosmere. A few words for Jamie, Joe, and Deck. I'm continually stunned by what y'all pick up on on the first read-through. I feel so dumb realizing how much I missed on my first read. I know the structure of the podcast gives a big advantage for predictions, but bravo anyway. My only consolation is that I got to inhale these books like a junkie seeking instant gratification while you have to suffer for months. Well, there you go. That, that's why we pick up on stuff and you don't. We're, like we, we, give it to, we give it time to breathe, whereas... Well, while I do it, while I do agree that like inhaling a book in a chunk is, pro- is probably more fu- more fun... In like in some senses, we do have the opportunity to you know think about things and banter about them as we go, so we pick up on more shit that way. So that's a it's a it's just a different way of doing it. It's really it's all about the suffering. That's what gives you 
the the power of prediction. It's it's uh it that that see that's another reason you guys keep coming back. It's the hate and the suffering. That's what our show has over all the other shows. You guys are snapping to predictions because of the suffering. That was yeah. That was a stra- a I mean, it's really it's the suffering. human condition, right? Suffering and <laughs> and such. Uh, and then Ben also has a part that specifically it says for data crew leader. So I'm, I'm the crew leader. That's that's good. Me and Kelsey here. Ooh. And uh, really, I, I won't read it because there's some spoiler-ish bits. But it's, it's like I'm eager for the podcast to get to this one part because Joe's gonna hate it. So. Oh, okay. Uh, there's some stuff I'm gonna hate. Spirit <laughs> goes back to his slang, and everyone else starts talking it with him, oh, like that one oh. scene in the first book. Yeah, you yeah. know what? I would hate that. <laughs> <I> would hate <laughs> he just makes it. He, Spook becomes king and makes it the official language that everyone has to use. No, oh, God. <laughs> God, why? Oh my God, that would be the best. Then the rest ever. of the book is just unintelligible because it's written in the same slang entirely. Yeah. yeah, even Brandon is forced to conform to the, the wishes right, yeah, Exactly. <laughs> He's like, hey, I'm just along for the ride too, man. Oh, gosh. God, okay. It's even worse when they suggested they should do a, a chapter of A Song of Ice and Fire from Hodor's perspective. Oh! Hodor, Hodor. Wow. There's like diff- different paragraphs, <laughs> lengths, but it's all Hodor. I think so, someone actually photoshopped a page of it and it just says, Hodor, 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 Hodor. And it's like, oh god, no. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, it's like a Smurf. Oh, but thank you, Ben and Sasha, for your emails. Uh, we appreciate fun emails. And if anyone else wants to send us something, the email address is thesanderlanch with an e at the end at gmail.com. You can also find us on the Twitters and the Instagrams and the uh, uh, the uh, Facebooks. That's what those things are called. Yeah, wherever good times are had, or bad times, you know, there's internet trolls. Yeah, it's, it's also, Facebook, bad times, bad times. Yeah, there's all bad times on Facebook. <laughs> Except that that's where I keep posting the, the bars to show our progress. <laughs> We're also we, we also have a Discord channel running. If you look through uh, some of the previous episode summaries, you can find that. Or if you leave me a comment or send an email, I can, I'm always happy to send you the link to the Discord. Oh, but Data, I'm old. I don't know how to use Discord. Uh, yeah, we, we, we know some people like that. It's okay. Oh, I also so I'm welcome too, Discord. even though I don't know how to use it? Well, that's, 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 you're welcome to come to the Discord if you want to learn how to use it, old man, Joe. But, oh no, you're not. But other yeah, people not me. who are old men. Right. But that's also why we're on the Facebooks. All the old people are on the Facebooks, right? So. That's true. I get all my news from Facebook. Yeah. Let's, uh, we're not getting into that. And I don't anyway. research anything I see on there. I just take it as the truth verbatim. Oh God, no, we're not. We're not doing this. Anyway, so yes, send us messages, leave us reviews, and Joe will will jump you into the Mistborn crew if you leave a five star Apple review. <laughs> I'll jump you in. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna show up to your house and beat you up and jump you into the Misting crew. That'll that'll make you snap. I gotta make you snap before you get in. It's like you just you just walk in, you just punch someone, put them on the ground, and then you leave a post-it note on their forehead that says yeah. what uh, type of misting they are. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, the end of Jay and Silent Bob. It's like, are you Noob Master sixty nine? <laughs> For some reason, in my mind, I always picture uh, the the scene from Saints Row where they're canonizing the new members. And sure. Like, anywho. For next time, we are reading four chapters. That will be 32, 33, 34, and 35. So, if you are following along like Angela, 
and that she it keeps coming up in the in the discord where she's like yeah i'm always at this weird place where i can't be in the spoiler chat but i'm a little further along following along the podcast so it's like i'm too far along for reading along poor angela she's always in the awkward position it's okay we yeah. still like angela yeah, and next time, you know, I'll actually have some predictions instead of just, you know, being like, <laughs> nah, I don't know. Lots of fun to be had still. Music by Miracle of Sound. And next hey. time, hopefully, yeah, I got it. Next time, hopefully, everybody will be feeling well and somebody else won't have gotten sick. By the time we record next time, I'm going to have just had my second COVID shot. So maybe I will be feeling like crap. Who knows? Nice. Oh, yeah. I got my second one. It's fine. Everything's cool. Good, good. We're not eligible yet. The rollout's happening a bit slower down here, but we've also got less. It's less affecting us than it is you right. guys. So, yeah. Anyway, all you fans out there, friend me on Facebook. That's the old man, not actually me. <laughs> <laughs> Joe doesn't want any more friends on Facebook. Sorry. That's yeah. old man gummy. I'm, you know, I'm in my 30s. It's like now I go through and delete people off my Facebook. I don't <laughs> add new friends. It's like I have enough friends. I have too many. So let's take you out of here. I don't talk to you. You're gone. Yeah, that's me. That's my life. You do, you do an audit and then you call the people. It's like, congratulations, you made the cut. And they're like, what the yeah. hell, man? I, yeah. <laughs> I just posted on my Facebook. It's like, if you could see this on your feed, you made the cut. <laughs> I just never log into my Facebook. Uh, I, I spend more time except to like, post stuff. Sander Lanching, yeah. Yeah, but no, I have like my, my a separate account that's just my personal one with people from high school and my family on it and stuff. And I just don't log into that one. I don't want to see any of that junk. Yeah, who does? Anyway, wasing to the time of next, everyone. <laughs> that was really abrupt. I don't like that. It's fine. <laughs> the end. Okay. The yeah, end. Let's just, Let's just Before put this part in where we about talk Facebook. about how abrupt it is. I mean, <laughs> hey, if it's abrupt, so is the end of uh, the second uh, Mistborn book, right? As the tiles of steel and stone crumble to dust, the foundations of our hope begin to rust. Choking fear, screaming sound, as a reaper comes to ground, you turn to face it down because.